Welcome to Adult Papers, the podcast for grown-ups. I'm your host, Violet Augustine. I'm going to share sometimes magical, sometimes terrifying, often strange, occasionally funny, and somewhere uncomfortably between hyper-real and surreal stories with you. Okay, first of all, I need to say you might get a little bonus background music because my neighbors seem to be having a party. But anyway, so it is episode nine. I've been putting this thing out consistently for four weeks. Holy shit, that's a month. For any of you that know me, you know that's a damn thing. Even for those of you that don't know me but listen to my stories, um, can you keep track of how many tangents I'm on in any given moment? How many fucking ideas occur to me in milliseconds? To be honest, it's kind of a miracle I haven't decided to start a new project in the last four weeks. Something like get a second bachelor's degree in nutrition? If you find that idea absurd, just know that's a thing I actually did. I went to U of H for half a semester, living in the far northern suburbs with my mom and making the hour plus commute each way, while also keeping three jobs on a wild hair that I'd get a second bachelor's because epigenetics. I hope you're proud of me that here we are week four and you've had an episode every single week and sometimes more like clockwork. So anyway, I think it would be kind of interesting to trace the conception of adult papers for myself out of my own curiosity and for those of you who remember AP when I first started publishing it back in 2018 at Sunset Studios. I hope whatever I discover will be worthwhile. It usually is. That's how this writing thing works. So let's see how this thing started. But first, my own commercial. Want some exclusive adult content on adult papers? Join me on Patreon. I'm running a special offer through the end of 2020. Every new patron gets a custom adult paper sticker shipped right to your door. I have two tiers. For $5 a month, you get an exclusive adult content episode every month that I don't feel comfortable publishing to the general public. And for the actual adult, you get the same benefit, but you pay $50 for it. It's the actual adult tier because you basically just help me pay for a babysitter. I'm exaggerating, of course, because after three months at that tier, you get a custom adult papers tea. But other than the tea, it's just some actual adult shit. Paying for benefits that non-adults take for granted. Like silence. Anyway. Adult Papers, Conception. It's 2017, and I come across a local artist residency at this place called Sunset Studios. I believe it was a local artist I knew from volunteering at the Dallas Contemporary when I first moved back, Andrea Tostin, who told me about it. She's an amazing local artist and the sweetest lady you will ever meet. I saw Sunset was open for proposals, and to get accepted would mean up to two months of free studio time, a community outreach project, and a culminating solo exhibition, which would be my first and only solo exhibition so far. Wah, wah. 
My kid was two or three by this time, and most of my art making had taken a backseat to being a parent and working at the job that I'd gotten to support my kid. And as it turns out, to pay my ex's taxes because uh, they're a shitty person, but that's, say it with me, another episode. So I was sorely in need of some art focal time. So I put together a proposal in December, submitted it, and forgot about it. The aforementioned obsession with recording things serves me here. I don't actually remember any of this, but all of it is recorded somewhere. Anyway, it was the spring of the next year when I got a reply. They'd asked me for an interview. Holy shit. So I reviewed my app materials, brushed up my proposal, tweaked it, improved it, and met them. Rachel had pink hair and a gentle expression. Emily was blonde and looked like the business side of things, but like the teacher who means business. These women could have been total snobs, and I kind of expected them to be. I think that's kind of a Dallas thing, but they weren't. We met in, I think it was Emily's studio, in an old building in Oak Cliff, upstairs from where the residency would take place. I was so in love. Super intimidated, but so in love. The building reminded me of the studio I'd had when I first moved back to Dallas. Tangent, I visited that building the other day, actually. It's still on McKinney and Fairmount above what used to be a fly fishing store. The store is closed and so are the studios. What a fucking waste. If not for studios, at least, hello, housing, it just makes me kind of sick to have a building sitting empty and at the same time pulling up to the stoplight and a man on the corner asking, help a homeless man out today? During fucking COVID where the housing crisis is everything but hypothetical? God, I was about to just say tangent over. Flippantly like that. I mean, it is. For me, talking about a housing crisis and being homeless is just a tangent. Christ. Well, awareness comes in layers. And then after the awareness, the action. I had already begun to daydream about what I'd do with the free studio space. I left the interview ambivalent about my performance, not sure if I'd won their approval or just been too ordinary. My proposal wasn't super focused on outreach, which would have been more in line with their mission statement, but because I still found myself in the early stages of self-discovery. Wow, we're circling back. I expect there is going to come a time when my feet are planted firmly enough in what it is I'm doing in this world as an artist writer, and my practice can pivot to include a sense of outreach. At least, that's always been the plan. If I stay perpetually in this place of trying to dig in my heels but never pivot to the outreach part, the making an actual difference in the world part, I hope someone will call me out on that. I don't remember when I got notice, but I did. And I'd gotten it. They were even going to let me choose the months. Summer, definitely, when I'd be on vacation from work. So I could turn the studio into work, live in the studio while my child was at daycare, like I lived at my normal job during work season. This was going to be marvelous. And that's what happened. I went into the studio most days of the week and stayed most of the day. I had had this dream where I was in a room with a thick three-ring binder full of white paper. 
I'd never see what was inside the binder, but I knew that they were my adult papers, and the name had been scrawled on the front in capital letters. I woke up knowing that it was time. It was time to officially start the adult journey of my life, starting with this thing called my adult papers. I'd had this band of heathens kind of harassing me. One of them had a heart instead of a skull for a head. Those severed vein artery things were their hair, and one of them had a hand for a head. So I started drawing them, giving them names, more detailed faces, and storylines. I started to put them into scenarios inspired by my real life. The heart head character was based on me, but so was the hand head. They were like differing sides of my personality. Like what I felt was more real me was the heart girl, and the socialized part of me was the hand girl. And so everyone in society looked like a hand head. The hand heads were kind of what society expected, both the external and the internal representation of that, as well as other characters in my life that I encountered mostly through work. Because as an adult, that's where you end up spending most of your time. And yes, you should shudder if you're a young person listening to this. Make sure the job you choose doesn't make you feel like you're selling your soul to pay your rent. Make sure the job you choose to do is the same as what your heart wants you to do. The stories were short and all-encompassing. I turned them into comic strips. I also painted a couple of detailed portraits of the two main characters, inspired by some episodes of Ren and Stimpy that I remembered from childhood. I loved the contrast of the simplified, flat-colored cartoon that we mainly saw, and then they juxtaposed those grotesque, detailed portraits of the characters for brief moments. I lived for those moments. I used my own features for both the heart and the head girls and focused on creating the comics and the paintings. Part of the storyline was that the heart girl was being asked to wear a mask. The mask looked like a hand to disguise who she really was to the world. Basically to make the world comfortable because something about her raw, bloody, exposed heart flesh made people uncomfortable. Yes, this is autobio territory for sure. And so I also wanted to make the masks. So I made three masks of the heart head in three different expressions. Kind of like the two drama masks, except the third one was expressionless, as if completely unself-aware. Oh, how funny that this entire project, the entire story and exhibition, were really just all about this journey. My fucking life journey. I had an event where people could wear the masks and take photos of themselves and each other and post them. If I'd had a little more self-awareness at that time, I could have made the focus of the event be about mental health or LGBTQ+ about how important it is to realize when we're wearing masks and why, and how we always need to remember to take them off, lest we get lost in the identity of the mask wearer, or worse, forget what is even behind the mask. Strike that. Reverse it. Oh my god, I always wanted to say that, finally. I have been given the opportunity. I guess I gave that opportunity to myself. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, where does writing really come from? Anyway, to take it even further, I did a series of paintings of the heart face character of myself 
They were self-portraits. They were really fun to do because as an art school kid, I got really traditional training in painting and making sure one can recreate reality in as much of a photorealistic sense as possible. So that once you've learned how to do that well, then you can conceivably paint whatever the fuck you want exactly how you want. Like, if you can paint an orange to look like the fucking skin of an orange, then baby, you have now graduated to the land of I paint whatever the fuck I want to how I want to. I did not get that good. So for these paintings, I used a mirror, but I didn't measure or make any effort whatsoever to preserve the correct proportions of my face. So they all looked completely different with some recognizable features like, yeah, those are my lips, even if they're too big here or too small there, my nose, my eyes, most of the time larger proportionally because I don't think I'm the only one that tends to enlarge the things you're staring at. Like, I guess they get emphasized by the observation. I mean, that's consistent with writing too, exaggerating for effect, but not on purpose, just organically in the paintings, and I do in theory ascribe to that way of thinking about art, like learn the rules, but just for the purpose of breaking them. Although I have to say kind of, because as a poet, I started out backwards. I wrote how I wanted, which means I was breaking the rules I didn't know existed. It wasn't exactly my fault. I started writing poetry in the first grade, but I didn't learn the rules in high school either. I mean, honestly, what the fuck did I do in English class? The fact that high school is mostly a black hole, like a blank canvas of no memory whatsoever. Like, there's sex, lots of sex, 9-11, art class, some paraphernalia, some more sex, end of high school memories. So I learned the rules later, like grad school later. Some of them anyway, as many as you can learn in grad school when you're supposed to be learning more about craft and less about structure. And as it turns out, I wasn't interested in the rules. And I kept doing things how I wanted to anyways. And I felt bad about it for a minute. But fuck that. I'm learning the craft, which I do think is important. But little grammar structures? I don't know. To me, what matters more than grammar is how people speak. Like, if a grammatical structure doesn't resonate with a human because that human doesn't use the structure, doesn't hear it, doesn't feel it, doesn't interact with it, then it's kind of irrelevant. If my purpose is to tell a story to a human and to have that human feel a thing, but to do that means I have to break your rules, then fuck your goddamn rules, sweetie. God, the tangents. Okay. Oh yeah, the paintings. So I did a series of five of these heart head self-portraits of the various iterations of myself, like the moods and stages of awareness I went through when I discovered that I'd been molested as a child. I say discovered because it happened like that. Growing up, I'd been a jittery, skittish, terrified, stone-cold, quiet child with strange sexual memories that involved my uncle and, of all people, the new kids on the block. Oh, fuck. That definitely has to be an episode. Um, yeah, that episode is not going to be available to the general public. That's going to have to be a members only episode. Anyway, these memories haunted me because they didn't make sense. And if you listened to all nine of my episodes or eight before this one, 
One thing you should know about me by now is that I will think about something until it makes fucking sense to me. I will go back and put the pieces together over and over and over until I can see the picture, even if it takes me 17 years. And that is another episode in itself. Very cryptic. I'm sorry about that. So anyway, the takeaway here is that if you're a pedo, don't underestimate a spaz brain child's ability to figure out what the fuck happened, even if you tried sneaky ways to cover your tracks. Or let's do one better. Just don't be a fucking pedo. Or if you are, if for some reason you've made it to adulthood and you haven't been able to heal whatever shit happened to you that made you turn into a pedo, at least do the ethical thing. Note, I'm not saying moral because morally, you're a pedo. I'm saying ethical. Like, do the extrinsic right thing. Don't violate another human being. Don't break the law. If you have to figure out some twisted way to get yourself off, then make sure that the only one you're hurting in the process is yourself. Got it? Good. So anyway, these memories haunted me for two reasons. One, because they didn't make sense, and I know they should. And two, because I was extremely ashamed. I'll get more into that in the episode dedicated to that story. But these paintings were a series that told the story of the emotions that happened to me over the course of the discovery. First, the shock and horror and shame. Then, the anger and disgust. Then, the apathy and numbness. Then, the depression. Then, the smug bitterness. And now, well, the paintings don't show the now. But the now is the now, and the now is the podcast. I had the exhibition and it was nice. I even painted a mural of an iteration of the heart face character with these eyes inspired by both snake and cat eyes. I've always been attracted to snakes. I think they're elegant and even sexy, and I love the concept of being able to shed one's skin, start fresh and new. And cats? Who doesn't love cats? Also sleek and graceful and rebelliously independent. Anyway, oh fuck, I completely fucking forgot to talk about the zines. Hello, the zines. They were what people liked the most. Anyway, in addition to the comic books were the zines. Comic strips, not books. I think I made it to a fifth issue. The first one was Slash Marks. It's on my website, adultpapers.com. It tells the story of when I learned to write. It was such a ridiculously formative experience. I remember it vividly. Number two was called Conversion, about how my parents both worked at an Arby's when they were teenagers. That's where they met. And when I moved back to Dallas in 2008-9, I thought it was so bizarre to live like five minutes away from that place that was so consequential for my fucking existence. And then at some point, they changed it into a Burger King. So that's what the zine was about, except that I fucked up literally the last word and so it doesn't land. Like, because I used one wrong word. And it had to be the perfect word for the story to work. But what I ended up choosing was a word that didn't mean exactly, precisely what it needed to mean. It meant like two things that could both apply to the story. So it didn't work. And I kind of considered that one a failure. No, no, rephrase. I consider that a learning experience. One of my favorite phrases is sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Well, with issue two, I learned. 
And I guess people agreed because it's the one I have the most copies left over. Oh, that's not even true. I have more copies of issue three left over. So I guess people don't like poems. Anyways, issue three was poems about love, sex, and jealousy. Uh, There was the one about basically stop fucking asking me what is wrong with you. I used to get asked that a lot at work. The simple answer would have been I'm married to an asshole. But even one lady had asked, what's wrong with your face? I was so amused, but also annoyed by it that I'd had to make a whole issue out of it. Then there was the one about killing a plant or almost killing it out of neglect, but bringing it back to life, which was obviously about me neglecting myself in an awful marriage with a narcissist. When is the shit talking going to (laughs) stop? I I mean, this person can't sue me for libel, right? Because y'all have no idea who I'm talking about. Yeah, you shouldn't. Anyway... But did I ever finish that one? Anyway, I thought there was five. I'll have to look into it. And so that is how Adult Papers began as a comic series. But side note, I am not a comic artist. I don't have the patience to even read a story that is half told with pictures. How in the fuck did I think I'd have the patience to be the person to draw the fucking thing? Anyway, then a zine series, which was slightly more fitting for me because it was in the form of the book. One of the loveliest, most favoritest things that exists for me in this apocalyptic, empiristic death trap of capitalist patriarchy that is the 21st century. Side note, I heard something maybe on a podcast or read it or heard it on Audible, but whoever it was, whatever it was, probably news, made the point that there are a few men in the world right now. Like in the entire fucking world of billions of people, there are a couple dudes that want to create the societies and structures that allow them to basically like own the world, all the people and the resources and all the control and all the power. Like, why? What the fuck is so wrong with you or lacking in your own fucking mental, social, emotional, all the developments or seizing power indefinitely is like your actual fucking life goal. Subjugating entire continents, usurping exponential or even finite resources. Like, again, I've said this before, but use your brain for a second, like a fraction of it. Find the place that holds the logic or the sense-making part and just ask, does that make any fucking sense? Like, I get you want to be real rich and you want to have all the things, but so does everyone just want to have everything they need to live comfortably. Once you're already rich and you already have everything, like, stop. Just stop. That's enough. Like, other, like let other people have shit too. Jesus, I feel like I'm talking to my four-year-old. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, that's what it is. These dudes... Their development must have been stunted somewhere around the age of four or five. When kids are super fucking selfish and in their quest to self-actualize, all they think about is what they want. Holy fuck, I just answered my own question. With science? Who'd have thunk it? Science can actually shed light on questions? Anyway, I was talking about zines. I was making them, but zines are expensive to make all that ink and paper, and they're time-consuming with not a super easy way to distribute, which is kind of the whole point to get people to actually experience the stories, whether they hear it or read it is irrelevant. And now the podcast, which makes the most sense 
It's short form like the zines, but way easier to create and produce and distribute. Thank you, I think, for the digital world. Though lately, the digital world has felt at once more upfront, but also more tenuous than ever. Is it because the stakes are higher? Oh, fuck. Well, at least I have an idea for another episode. I have this weird feeling that I didn't say what I came here to say. Or maybe it's just that I didn't tell the whole story. Well, for one, I couldn't possibly have told the whole story because I'm living the fucking story right now. But I guess this time, all the tangents, like, stuck to me. Like Velcro. I guess I need to go back right this minute and write that fucking new kids on the block motherfucking story. I hope you're looking forward to that one because it's a good one. Though because of the nature of it, I'm definitely going to make that one only available to my patrons. Mm-hmm.